With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Chris Clark here with GamecockCentral.com. Flying solo today. As you noticed, two things probably gave it away. Number one, no split screen. So no Wes Mitchell to my left. Uh, he is, I hope, I hope and pray, on the beach enjoying some type of umbrella drink or, or something of that nature. Getting some well, well-deserved uh, downtime. The other giveaway being, hopefully nobody really noticed, little tiny tech glitch, of course. I tend to do that just about every show in between the countdown and the updated intro video for GC Live. I popped up on the screen for a second, but hopefully nobody noticed that. Anyway, what's going on, everyone? We are live on YouTube. We are on Facebook, GamecockCentral.com Facebook page. We're also live on Periscope and, of course, even though we're recording this and we are live Friday at 2.02 p.m. on all those platforms and on GamecockCentral.com's front page and forums. You can also hear us on our podcast network, GamecockCentral.com podcast network. You can hit that up on any of your podcast networks. And uh, what's up, everybody? What's up, Robert Prophet? Rob, what's going on, man? Good to hear from you. Travis Edwards, happy Friday to you. Wade and Trey Plyler. All weighing in from YouTube and Facebook. Great to have all of you. Already pretty decent numbers of, of people watching the show right now. And a, a true free-for-all Friday. Um, Going to explain a little bit behind the show title today, which is Are You Not Entertained? And a little bit of a Shane Beamer, if you saw the graphic. I thought it matched up pretty well. And it matched up pretty well with the times that we are in right now in Columbia, so we're going to get to all that later. A true free-for-all Friday show because I have absolutely nothing planned for this show, which is, I think, good. You might say, why are you not more prepared? I had time to prepare. I wanted to go free-for-all route. I wanted to just discuss things with you guys, answer any questions that you may have, break down where things are after, again, a super, a super, super busy June. I mean, we could we could go back and talk a lot about what happened in June, what's around the corner, all those good things. First, let me give a shout out, as we always do, to our presenting show sponsor, which is Clint Hammond 
of the Columbia Net Mortgage Network. He is the branch manager there in MLS number 71597. Any mortgage need that you have, doesn't matter what it is, if it's related to mortgage, refinance, whatever it may be, hit up Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, 803-771-6933 or chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, we appreciate him uh, making this show happen. If you have a mortgage need, make sure you hit up Clint Hammond, who's the branch manager here of the Columbia Mortgage Network. So great to have everyone in. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for the weekend. I know I am. Lots of busyness in Columbia. So to kind of drive the conversation today, before we get into kind of the one overarching, I don't want to call it a topic, maybe a theme for today's show, which again is Are You Not Entertained? I want to throw out a question to you guys. I don't know why it's on my mind, you guys and girls. We have, it's kind of neat. You know, GamecockCentral.com has been around since 1998. I have not been around on Gamecock Central since then. I started in May of 2009, so over 12 years, which is hard to believe. Just celebrated kind of the 12th anniversary of my time with GamecockCentral.com as a full-time employee. Wes Mitchell has been with us since 2014. Colin Taylor has been with us for several years now. Brian Shoemaker, the uh, the inceptor, I guess you could call, of GamecockCentral.com, has obviously been around since the beginning, 1998. Our publisher, our great publisher, Brian Shoemaker, and so... What I wanted to get from you guys, lots of longtime Gamecock fans on our site, lots of longtime Gamecock fans here on YouTube, on Facebook, on Periscope, Podcast Network. Tell us when you became a Gamecock fan, and if you follow recruiting, tell us maybe the first recruiting cycle that you started following. Maybe it was the beginning of uh, Steve Spurrier era. Maybe it was sometime in the middle when things got rolling. Maybe you just got into it in the past few years, you're newer to Gamecock fandom and Gamecock recruiting land as, as recruiting has really picked up steam in terms of media over the last several years. Tell us a little bit about your background as a Gamecock fan. Drop it in the comments. We'll put some of that stuff up on the screen and give some shout outs for those of you that are on the video chat. Everybody it seems to be in a great mood today, uh, dropping some love to each other here in the YouTube chat as well as some, uh, Trey checking in on Facebook. Appreciate everybody. Uh, got some questions already. going to hit on those in just a second, but you guys probably saw. Show title, Are You Not Entertained? I kind of picked it because I thought it was a little bit funny. There was a clip of Marcus Satterfield in one of kind of those uh, coaching mic'd up segments uh, that South Carolina put out after spring football based on some footage that they shot during spring practice and uh, they actually played those so that prospects could see him during lunch during the prospect camps uh, that they had this summer in June. And one of them uh, had Marcus Satterfield. He, he, I guess, likes to use that line uh, from, from Gladiator sometimes after some of the big plays that, that the Gamecock quarterbacks would make in the spring. So reason I thought of it, aside from it just randomly popping in my head today, it's been an entertaining time period, right? Uh it's been obviously when Shane Beamer took over the job at South Carolina, recruiting was the number one priority at the time. And that would be recruiting the team that was on campus at the time. Of course, there was some attrition, which was expected. And then ultimately trying to finish out the 2021 class. We saw some guys that were committed to the previous staff stick around. Uh, we saw some guys drop out of the class for various reasons. 
And then we saw some new additions. Uh, we saw a lot of transfer activity, then got into spring football. But I think the thing that people were really looking forward to, even people who don't follow recruiting quite as much, um, they work. I think everybody was looking forward to June because June meant the reopening of recruiting. I think we, we all went in, media, fans, everybody, kind of wondering how it would go from the perspective of how many verbal commits would South Carolina land coming out of June. And we didn't really know that answer. We knew we figured, estimated that there would probably be some. Did we think that there would be, what was it, 11 from June 13th until the beginning of July or so, you know, the first few days of July? I don't know if we figured on that many, but a, a flurry of activity. Everything's positive right now, and there are a few reasons for that. Number one, you know, the season hasn't started, so this is a new staff. It's a new season. williams Bryce Stadium is going to be 100% capacity. Um, there's kind of hope anew in Columbia for, for a lot of different reasons, and so a lot of excitement about that. Shane Beamer, I think, has added to it because of the approach that he's taken. Um, he's done a lot of media. He's ingrained himself kind of in the community with some of the things that he's done, uh, whether it's on social media or just some of the stories you hear of things that he's done out in the community for people, just keeping in contact. I think he's added to that. Um, and then recruiting obviously has been something that people um, have really latched on to. Um, obviously, there's a there's a, a need, a known need for this team to kind of pick it up in the personnel department that ultimately what it boils down to in college football or any level is how good are your players. And so a lot of interest in recruiting and, and what may happen there, just a lot of unknowns. And so we're coming out of this period of the great unknown with COVID-19 in college football last year, that also shut down recruiting. And now you're moving forward to a season that projects to be a heck of a lot more regular, right? Just in terms of what we expect, we not even getting into the record or what things may look like in terms of wins and losses, but just a more regular season, um, you get that, and then you get the reopening of recruiting, you get all those things together, and it makes for an exciting time since there's a new staff and all that good stuff in town. So lots to track, um, lots of entertainment. And I'll tell you what, the month of June for us, it was extremely busy. We knew it would be. I think it was even busier than we thought. Lots of days we were at camp from – 8 a.m. until, you know, 4, 4.30. Um, and that that was with no writing, no follow-ups on anything. You're just out there observing, talking to people, things like that. All the verbal commitments, all the follow-ups with that. And trying to keep track with everything else, too. Not complaining at all. It was fun. And a uh, little bit of a slower time now with it being the recruiting dead period. But now it's about kind of catching your breath, catching up. Gamecock coaches, staffers to varying degrees, taking a little bit of time away, and we'll be back at it. There's a there's a one-week open period at the end of July for recruiting, and we'll, we'll see more activity then. So, yeah, lots of entertainment. That's kind of what I put – why I put Are You Not Entertained there on the uh, title of this show. So let's go out to the chat. And, man, y'all did not disappoint with some of your stories about when you became a Gamecock fan, when you started recruiting. Clint Morrison started recruiting – while in recruiting in high school, 94-ish. Clint, what was around then? Uh, did you did you do the, I guess, the publications? What were they? Maybe super preps? Did you do some 900 numbers? Radio, I remember, uh, was was quite a thing back then. Was, was You get some recruiting news on that. 
Uh, and he's been a fan since he was seven in 1984. Pretty good season there to jump on board. Uh, Clint Morrison. Travis became a fan. Put it up on the screen here, a few of these, during the Clemson game in 1999. All right. And then two weeks later, won the state championship in the final game. Awesome stuff. Wally McFadden started following in 1999. Rick Miller's been going to games since the 70s. Fred Jenkins. USC versus UGA Lou Holtz. Trey Daniel got into it in the Marcus Lattimore time frame and joined GamecockCentral.com last fall. Trey, really, really appreciate you joining up. Um, but Gamecock Central, I hope you're really enjoying the coverage. If you're not a member, come on over and join us, GamecockCentral.com. We're here all the time. Uh, look forward to the show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Love interacting with you guys. We interact with our members daily on GamecockCentral.com, the Insiders Forum, which you can get the InsidersForum.com if you want a quick shortcut to get there to check out all of our stuff. Rob Prophet became a Gamecock fan when Squeaky signed. Followed high school recruiting his entire life and used to read Tom Lemming's prep report. Tom Lemming, Rob, you, you probably know, man. He's still at it. He's still uh, – Tom travels around, uh, I think always drives. Um, he, he used to do a photo shoot for prospects in Columbia uh, every now and then, I think. He's – Still, I think, does one in the state of North Carolina, maybe Raleigh, Charlotte, can't quite remember. Um, and I think drives everywhere. I mean, the guy's driving from, like, Chicago to the East Coast and, and everywhere in between. So, uh, Tom Lemming, good dude, and has obviously been at it a long time. Uh, like I said, guys, I'm going to get to more of these. Today, free for all, whatever topics are on your mind, let's go to it. Don't have a guest today. I looked at getting some guests, my preferred guys to get on today were not available. couple guests that we've got coming up soon that we just couldn't quite make the window work. Couldn't quite make it work today. But I got a couple interesting guests that Wes and myself will be trying to get on here sometime in the next few weeks. And, I, and I, we've been efforting it for a while. I think we'll be able to make it happen. But again, lots lots more plans for guests for GC Live, and we'll keep, we'll keep rolling with that. Brandon Langford has a question via YouTube. Thanks for tuning in, Brandon. Chris, during the third, first third of the season, how much will this team rely on newcomers? And I, I assume, Brandon, that by newcomers you mean guys that have literally never played. It, it is hard to believe, for instance, that a guy like Marshawn Lloyd has not taken a snap at South Carolina given you know his billing coming out of high school, given how much he's been talked about. People talking about the name, image, likeness stuff. If you kind of talk to some people around South Carolina, his name is one of the first names that always comes up as a guy who could potentially capitalize just because of his personality, the position he plays, how highly regarded he was coming out of high school and his potential has not played at all. So I assume by newcomers, you mean guys that are from, you know, the 2021 class, which was a smaller, of course, recruiting class for South Carolina in terms of high school and junior college guys and then ultimately the transfers. I think that there's a chance that you're going to see several of those guys. Um, you know, you, you think of a guy, for instance, EJ Jenkins, who's kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid. He's certainly going to have every opportunity. Amarian Brown is someone that drew a look as a returner in spring. He, he missed a, a portion of spring, but got a look from Pete Limbo there um, as a potential return guy. And then obviously with his speed, 
at as a slot receiver. Receiver is a, a big need position for this team. So he'll get, I think, every opportunity there. You look at defensive back, you know, they got some transfers in. So I think you're looking at not only a guy like, you know, for instance, just throw out one name, David Spaulding, who transferred in and went through spring ball, a Karan Prunny, you know, who's, who's, you know, transferring in from Kansas. He's going to have a full slate of eligibility. He'll be immediately eligible this year. He's a guy that has plenty of college experience playing in the Big 12 already. I think he, from day one, he's going to have every opportunity uh, to come in and, and straight up win a job. You, you look at some positions like linebacker, for instance. Um, that's a spot where South Carolina could get some help from guys, whether it's ultimately a guy like Bam Scott from JUCO, but I think even more immediately someone like Debo Williams, uh, who's been on campus for a longer time. I think you're going you're gonna to see those guys. Um, you know, looking through the recruiting class, you know, we got this question recently on the insiders forum, who, who could make the biggest impact out of that class? I think there are several guys who are more likely to be redshirt guys. You know, you look at, you know, for instance, a couple offensive linemen, Jordan Davis, John Darius Morgan. Those are probably your, your redshirt type of guys just because South Carolina has some pieces up front, whether it's some established starters or some guys that have played and have some seasoning to them up front. But certainly, you know, defensive back, you look at Marcellus Dial who had a pretty good spring ball indications. Isaiah Norris, who will, you know, be able to go through preseason ball, has a good bit of ability. You know, you got Ladarian Craig, who's a freshman. Um, he'll, he'll be a freshman. Caleb McDowell is probably going to draw a look as a return man. Pete Limbo's talked about him, you know, a good bit um, when he was discussing some of the returners. There's about six guys, five or six core guys who've gotten a look at return, whether it's kick return or punt return. And he's someone that could get into that mix as a newcomer. Is he going to play a ton at running back this year? You wouldn't think so, uh, but he's going to have an opportunity, I think, uh, to contribute as as a potential return guy. He's at least going to get, you know, a look. And then how that shakes out, we'll have to see. But, you know, Tyrese Ross, Carlins Platel, I mean, it's hard to predict these things because you start thinking about it. And even with the newcomers, you're starting to get, from a number standpoint, a body standpoint, to where you've got some guys. You remember Shane Beamer talked a lot in the spring about how they had a, a walk-on who they kind of just hadn't even been playing football, and he was like the second-team corner at one point because not only were they a little short on numbers, but they had a lot of guys who were just banged up during the, during the spring with little minor things. So they're replenishing some of that numbers, whether it's some of these newcomers from high school or JUCO or some of the transfer guys like Prunny, like Platel, like Tyrese Ross. Um, but it's kind of difficult to predict, you know, which guys are ultimately um, going to be able to contribute. But I would say there are going to be some newcomers at those key spots, receiver, DB, maybe linebacker, maybe look at some of the special teams, uh, units, returners. I think you'll see some of that stuff. Wade Burnett has been a Gamecock fan all 39 years of his life. Picks and bandanas of the Black Magic season. Started paying attention to recruiting in high school, 1995 through 1999. Man, I thought you guys, some of you guys have been following recruiting, you know, for a while, for a while. John Mullins on Facebook became a Gamecock fan in 1959. Gamecock club and season ticket holder since 75. Missed less than 10 games during that time. John, does that count? home and away games 
that's pretty impressive. That is extremely impressive. If you've only missed 10 games since about 75, almost what, almost 40 years, pretty impressive. Kyle Foster, good recruiting question here. Let me take a sip real quick. With our coaching staff being more selective in the upcoming months, what position, in your opinion, do you see them focusing on? So not just one, not dodging the question, but there's not just one. You look at the primary needs of, of this team in recruiting going forward. There's a few spots that still come to mind. All right. Running back. South Carolina's aimed high in this class with what they have on the roster. Um, you've got a pretty good room there. Now, it's not like all of them are freshmen. You do have some varying ages, uh, but you don't have four seniors, you know, so uh, you got talent and you also have some staggered ages and eligibilities. And so you don't have to go out and sign one running back or two running backs. With South Carolina, I like to sign a running back, yes. Um, but it needs to be the right one. And so I kind of get the the sense that South Carolina is not looking to reach on a back. Not even, Now, look, Ramon Brown expected to go elsewhere today. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Jalen Glover out of Florida. That doesn't mean the next guy that crops up is going to be a reach, right? It's just this is kind of the nature of recruiting. Uh, sometimes guys pop up late who turn up out to be really good. So – We'll see what happens there. But the point is, still got a slot for running back. We'll see what happens with it. Receiver, you know, you got a couple receivers committed. Uh, you need a couple more. Obviously, one of them is Antonio Williams. A couple other guys that Justin Stepp, you know, will continue focusing on. Jaden Gibson out of Florida. Big 6'5 receiver, Dane Key out of Lexington, Kentucky is another one, you know, to watch there. Um, offensive line. For all intents and purposes, you can be done there. I mean, two to three was kind of the number that South Carolina wanted to eye there. That's what they wanted to get at a minimum. Um, if they found another one that was really good that they felt like they didn't want to turn down, maybe. Okay, but they've hit their number there that they kind of needed slash wanted in this class. Um, tied in, Oscar Delp or Bust. You know, now if Oscar Delp, Delp signed elsewhere – would South Carolina go grab another tight end late? Maybe, but they're really not. They're really not even keeping in touch on a significant basis with other guys. Oscar Delps far and away the the number one priority there for South Carolina. So you look from a numbers you know standpoint in terms of need and what they're recruiting. That's not a big one. Now DB, you've got another slot left probably. Um, they got five committed if you count Nick and Mori as a linebacker. Another spot there. Being, again, that's where the selectivity comes in. Linebacker is a spot you need to hit, so that's a, that's a numbers need. You need to go sign a couple, maybe a couple more linebackers because you've got, you know, Emin Worry committed, one or two more linebackers. And then up front, you, you go you look to go sign an edge guy probably. Donovan Westmoreland already committed. He can be an edge guy. But you go sign another one, you know, a different body type, maybe different skill set. And then another one or two spots for interior defensive linemen. And that's kind of what you're looking at. Now, what you know, what what comes from where in terms of the numbers, it, it kind of depends. They're not approaching it, I don't sense. We've, we've absolutely got to sign one at this spot, this spot, this spot. You kind of keep some flexibility in there. And the window has closed more. It's closed more. It's not totally shut, but it's closed more on the transfer portal, especially with them having landed Prunny. Now it's about going out and, and 
kind of building for the future and trying to go the high school junior college route for the rest of this class. Um, Clint Morrison, when I asked him earlier where he got his recruiting stuff, uh, newspaper, the show, countdown to signing day, and the good old Spurs and Feathers back in the day, Trevon Goodwin, first game in 1999, and he started going solo, Ole Miss, 2009, and been following recruiting since 09 when Alshon flipped. Again, a good time to jump in. Some of you guys jumped in at good recruiting times. You know, that was kind of, you know, a, you know, a little bit of an aside here. I'd followed recruiting for longer than that. Um, my career path in terms of being able to ultimately do this full time, which Brian Shoemaker gave me a chance to do it full time. Uh, that was around that time, you know, so I think my first summer with Gamecock Central, I started on, I believe, May 1st, 2009. So that would have been going into kind of the next signing day in February. Wasn't an early signing period back then for football, obviously. It would have been February of 2010. So I was going into that Marcus Lattimore class. Of course, the next one, Jadavion Clowney in 2011. Uh, And then some of the golden years kind of of Gamecock football on the field going on during that time as well. So I jumped into it in terms from a job standpoint and, and coverage standpoint, jumped into it at a pretty cool time. Kevin Lucas says Roscoe Crosby was the, the first recruit I remember following. I was in driver's ed class when he committed to Clemson. Still better. Kevin, did they, they broadcast it? How'd you find out about that? They put it on the morning announcements or, or broadcast it over the PA at your school. That's pretty funny. Uh, Rob Youngson became a Gamecock fan after moving to South Carolina in high school. How did he choose Gamecocks for the upstate team? And he chose the Gamecocks. Helps that I was on the football team with Brian Scott, and that was 1995. Here's a good one from Trey Daniel. Um, what do you think of his saying that will be much stronger of a team than most teams think? I got to be honest, Trey, I have not uh, seen a lot in terms of I haven't seen what Phil Steele in any detail has said or written about the Gamecocks in terms of them being much stronger than most teams think. And that kind of brings up a larger point. A lot of people have asked, um, and, and this happens every year, you know, what could the record be? How's the team looking? What's the outlook? And, and I hate to give these kind of answers, but even when things are more stable at South Carolina or you have better sense of, of what they were last year and what they have returning and, when college football in general is more stable, you know, I think it's still hard to answer that sitting here in July. But here, you know, where we're at right now in terms of what we know about this team is, as I laid out earlier, there are some guys that are going to help this team that we haven't seen any of or that maybe have not been on campus yet. It was a weird year last year. Um, there's there's a lot to learn, you know, about this team, about some of the competition, you know, you look at a team like Tennessee, they've kind of been gutted from a, from a transfer standpoint. South Carolina's had some changes. They've got a lot of new personnel. They have a completely new coaching staff. And so it's really kind of difficult to project all that. Now, I think going back to the point about could this team be better than people think, I would, I would certainly temper expectations here in year one. You can't expect too much. Obviously, you look at the schedule and the damage for South Carolina – needs to be done on their end, I think, at the the beginning part of the schedule. You know, the first half, 
first six games, those are your most winnable contests. Not to say they can't win any in the back half. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, but those are your games that if you're just kind of handicapping things, that's where they're going to have to make some hay. They're back at, at the point right now. Your goal needs to be go play a bowl game. Go play a bowl game. Be competitive. Create some excitement, some buzz. Show the fan base. Show the prospects that you're recruiting. And whether it's 22, but now really for 23 and beyond, those classes show them that you've made some progress and that you're kind of back on the upswing. And getting to a bowl certainly does that. After 2019, 4 and 18, uh, 2020, you go 2 and 8. Obviously, doesn't wait, go the way you want to go. Now you can show some tangible signs of progress. Now, obviously, last year didn't go how anyone thought at South Carolina. So many reasons for that. We could do whole show on it. I think what you're saying about this team being better than anticipated, could it come true yet? And it depends on what you anticipate. I think making a bowl, let's say South Carolina goes and wins seven games this year, that would probably surpass some people, whether it's fans, pundits, rival fans, whatever, that would probably surpass some of their expectations. And so in order to do that, here's what's key. You 100% got to stay healthy. I think if you look back at some of these teams uh, under Will Muschamp, would South Carolina have, you know, beaten Clemson any of the years Will Muschamp was here? You wouldn't project that. Not not with what we know looking back at those games, especially, or even going into those games. The reality was in the back half of the season, some of those years, the team was so banged up that they just weren't going to have a chance. I mean, I, I go back to the one year Brad Johnson, I think, as a, as a true sophomore, uh, playing about 100 snaps defense and special teams after being sick the whole week, you know, and it's just it's those types of things where they've been gutted and decimated by injuries. Last year, everybody faced this problem, but, you know, we saw more injuries for this team last year, um, and we also saw a situation where their depth caught up with them. You know, they, they didn't have as much depth as a team, a Georgia, you know, for example. That caught up more particularly because – of COVID and the lack of being able to have structured team workouts for so long. I mean, that was very difficult. Jabari Ellis, Gamecocks defensive tackles, even talked about this on, on social media. I think he played last season in the 260 range as a defensive tackle. Very tough, very tough, especially when he's a guy that, that plays a lot for your team. So I think you've got to – what you've got to do is stay healthy because this team, especially at certain spots – you know, is not going to have a lot of depth. You think a defensive back, linebacker, receiver, they're going to have to be very good in terms of matchups. Uh, you're going to have to rely on running backs, tight ends a lot. And here's a huge one for this team. Turnover margin will be giant. You look at the 2017 Gamecock team. Should have been better than they were on offense, given the personnel, right? But why was that team so good on defense? They did have some good players. Sky Moore, Dante Sawyer, Chris Lamont. They were one of the best in the country at forcing turnovers. The year after that, kind of took a nosedive in that category. So you got to find a way to really lower your margins. Um, this, is a, this is a low margin team in terms of the margin for error. They're not going to go out and out-talent a lot of people. There are a few teams on the roster, they can on the schedule, rather, that they can do that with. Most of them, it's not going to be the case. They're going to be pretty close to even or behind in that category. So 
how do you win those games? Turnover margin is certainly a huge one. So I do think that South Carolina can be better than some expect, again, relative to what you expect if you go out and you say, oh, they should win nine games this year. I don't know. You know, if you probably need to reset the expectations a little bit, a little bit on there. Uh, Erlen Humes asks, who are you going to redshirt on defense as far as the newcomers? That's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I could see Juju McDowell redshirting on offense. Again, remember the new redshirt rule. Again, you can play in some games and, and still preserve that redshirt. Now, how much does he factor in as a return man? I think that'll tell that story. But I could see the two freshman receivers and Sam Reynolds and Omega Blake redshirting. Um, you know, the offensive lineman I mentioned earlier, Jordan Davis, John Darius Morgan, I could see those guys. South Carolina likes T.J. Sanders and Nick Barrett a lot. Those guys have both shown some really good things um, in, in you know, since they've enrolled. Uh, Nick or Nick Barrett impressed in spring. T.J. Sanders has, has gained some good weight. Looks looks really good. Moves well from what I've been told. Uh, but will those guys need to play as much with you know five six guys or so that have actual game experience that have played a lot more than them? I don't know. You know, I think Colby Fields and, and Debo Williams could end up helping some uh, at linebacker. I mean, Williams been on the team for a while. Colby Fields kind of a late bloomer in the recruiting process, a late get. Ladarian Craig, you know, is a is going to be a true freshman. Will he need to play? Well, with as wide open as that as that is, he might have an opportunity. But, you know, again, Karan Prunny's addition. You got David Spalding. You got a couple of junior college transfers. We'll see. Um, I could see him redshirting. So I think there'll be several, you know, guys that you that you end up uh seeing redshirt. And and again, it can end up being some of the guys with the redshirt rule. Uh, that have played um, some this season, you know, four games or less. Travis Edwards says, I think it'll be based on team health. Great point. I didn't even see this before you said it, but I I think you nailed it there. If this team's healthy and if they play really good ball in terms of being smart, not turning it over a lot, winning the turnover margin by a good bit when you look at game by game and the season as a full picture, I think – that's what they've got to do in order to make some hay. Tim Dorn started following recruiting in 92. Steve Tannehill's class, Super Preps, which I mentioned earlier. Tom Lemmings Magazine, Forrest Davis's cheesy show on Sports South with Saturday mornings. I did not catch that. I'm going to have to go back and see if I can find um, some copies of that. Clint Morrison has a question about Jalon Glover. Jalon Glover's the four-star Running back out of Florida that I mentioned earlier said he seems he's been a little quiet lately. Yeah, I think he's kind of finished up that summer slate of visits. And that's one that's hard to peg, Clint. It, it really is. Talked to some people about Jalen Glover. He, 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 from all indications, had a really good visit to South Carolina. I think he was really engaged on the visit. He's got that type of personality. But Florida offered late. Got to think they're in the mix, at least to a degree. FSU's been there a while. Georgia Tech's been in there randomly Utah on the list. They drew an official visit, kind of strange. Um, so nobody has a great sense, but he's a guy that South Carolina likes a good bit. He seems to like South Carolina. Don't really know as much there. I, th- I think the key, the key competition there for South Carolina going forward, I think is going to be the in-state schools. Can, can Florida, which offered late, again, they got in pretty late on this one last month, I think. Can they make a play? Other than that, FSU uh, has been a pretty big, factor there. 
Travis Edwards asks, with uh, DJ Jackson's injury, is he a possible gray shirt candidate? Good question. DJ Jackson is is uh, Davin Jackson out of Sumter, 2022 uh, rising senior defensive lineman. South Carolina offered him uh, last month after a, a strong camp performance. I don't know. I don't know if he's a guy that I, I would think he's more likely than not to sign. He's got – some quality, whether it's power five or group of five offers, if he didn't end up at South Carolina, there've been a lot of questions about that. And I think even taking the injury away towards ACL recently, unfortunately, best wishes for him and his recovery. Um, you know, whether or not he ends up at the class, I don't know that it depends as much on the ACL as just South Carolina has got several targets out there. I think people should be asking more about Demetrius Watson, even from Fort Dorchester another in-state defensive tackle South Carolina offered and, Liked a lot after camp this summer. Um, he's a guy to watch. Nick James is still out there to a degree from Florida. Things have kind of been – could they they rekindle a little bit there? Possibly. We'll see. Obviously, Jamari Lyons for Florida. And as I mentioned earlier, South Carolina's got one or two spots on the D-line uh, for, for interior guys. DeAndre Martin from, from Virginia, who put on a good camp showing and, and got an offer uh, last month. Several guys out there. And so spots are limited. And, again, South Carolina – they can be, they can be choosy there. They can be choosy um, at this point. Uh, Matthew Bentley asked about. Uh, I assume you mean Ramon Brown today. Not anticipating a South Carolina pick there. Virginia Tech and, and Maryland have had uh, the most buzz there. Um, Elizabeth Ballard asking about. I assume you mean Oscar Delp, Elizabeth. That one, you know, big South Carolina Georgia battle again. If you're asking, you know, promising, I think you can kind of try to define that one way or another. It's promising in the sense that South Carolina is in the top two. I mean, I think they're right there with Georgia. Which direction it goes is very close. I think Clemson's still kind of lingering back in there trying to make a play. I think right now it's Georgia or South Carolina. And as much as I'd like to be able to say this is what I think is going to happen, we just don't know yet. Uh, Of course, took officials to both last month. Um, But, you know, there's there's more left to play out this later this month. I mentioned there's a one week kind of open period at the end of this month in July. Um, maybe back on campus at one or both of those places, and it'll kind of go maybe into the season. Or Delp has said at any point if he if he feels like he's ready, he may do it. But South Carolina definitely in there. Been an interesting one to follow with the the we want Delp on South Carolina end. The uh, the Delp is a dog kind of hashtag stuff on the Georgia end. Wes Mitchell's put out on my partner Wes Mitchell, who's hopefully on the beach right now. As I said, he's put out some good stuff there on the on the metrics behind uh, some social media metrics has come up with that stuff. And Tim Griffin question: What other running back are we looking at if we don't get Brown? So Jaylon Glover is obviously one. I mean that that's that's one that I mentioned earlier. Um, could some other guys pop up? Maybe there's a couple guys from Florida that South Carolina saw in camp this summer. Which ones will they turn up the heat on? If so, not sure yet. And there could always be some late ones pop up, whether it's a guy that South Carolina kind of takes a second look at and ends up offering, or you never know, maybe a guy reaches out at some point or another. Um, Chad Godwin, Chris, how will UGA keep two five-star quarterbacks with JT Daniels starting? Do not see both freshmen staying at UGA. I think, Chad, here's kind of where it's at. You know, if you recruit 
talented quarterbacks every year, that's kind of what you want to do. You want to land good quarterbacks every year. If you do that, they're going to transfer. You know, you're going to have a guy transfer. It's a quarterback's unique position. There's one ball. There's one quarterback on the field. Um, unless a guy can go play another position, and most most quarterbacks want to play quarterback and aren't as open to a position change. Some are. We saw that with the carry-on joiner who's bought into playing receiver. But if they want to play quarterback and they're not playing, they're probably going to go somewhere else just to go to be able to go play. They, they, it's a unique animal in that regard. So my answer to it is they probably won't keep everybody at some point. Now, some of it depends on the personality. Some guys may be okay with sitting on the bench for a couple years or, or what have you, waiting the turn. You do see that. It depends on the personality. It depends on the situation. But if you're recruiting a, a highly regarded, you know, four or five star guy every year, you're not going to keep them all. You're, you're just, you're just not. Um, we see that happen at other positions, but we see it happen across the country with quarterbacks at basically every program. Even, I mean, the ones who are in the college football playoff year in and year out have quarterbacks transfer. So it's just one of those things. All right, guys. So we've been going for about 40 minutes. I've been monologuing a lot because we did not have a guest today. Again, Wes Mitchell, umbrella drink on the beach. Well-deserved for him. I appreciate everybody tuning in today. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up on this edition of GC Live. We are going to be back next week on Monday. It will be Wes. It will be myself. So if you are irritated with me, if you do not like listening to just me for 40 minutes or an hour, however long it is, don't worry. Wes will be back to save me uh, on Monday. Go check out GamecockCentral.com. Still tons of recruiting stuff going on. Team stuff we're catching up on. Colin Taylor doing a great job of covering basketball recruiting, baseball recruiting. Tons of news on GamecockCentral.com. So come on over and join us. Thanks, Travis and Wade, for your kudos for the show today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. And uh, we will be back next time on GC Live on Monday at 2 o'clock. So I'll see you then, and I'll see you on GamecockCentral.com. Hope everybody has a great weekend. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.